God when there are literally only two or three gathered. <laughs> we pray God's blessing on you as you are at home today. We hope you're finding the spirit of God and the spirit of family there as you are gathered together. For those of you that are worshiping by yourselves, uh, we know that the Holy Spirit and the Son of God and God the Father are all with you. So you have at least three or four where you are gathered as well. And so we praise the Lord for that today. At the beginning of our message, uh, you may have missed the numbers that were shared. Some of you may not have tuned in right away. And we wanted to give that to you again uh, just for your edification now. I will be following up with an email, and it will also be on all of our social media platforms and our website very soon. But just so that you know, we have a temporary church office number that we want you to be able to use since Hyacinth will not be in the church center. Here's the number if you want it, 301-478-6059. If you would like to call the church office, that's going to be our number during this time while the church office is closed, and she'll be able to uh, give you what you need there. Thank you very much. I'm glad that you were able to get that up on the screen for us. Uh, we also have a new prayer meeting line. So this past week, we did prayer meeting on the phone, and we used um, uh, uh, freeconferencecall.com, and, and the number was a little bit sketchy for us, and so we decided to change the phone number for this upcoming week, this Wednesday night, and we're going to start at 7.05 instead of 7 o'clock. Apparently, if you start a little bit after the hour, it's better because many people are starting their meetings on the hour. So at 7.05, we'll be meeting for prayer meeting if you would like to join us. And you can use this number, 646-558-8656. The access code is 16664962 and then pound. I'll have all that stuff in the email. It will be on our social media uh, uh, platforms and it will be on the website uh, just in case you want it later. But we want to make sure we were able to give it to you now as well. I hope you're doing okay at home. I know this was our first week in quarantine, and I'm not sure what your week was like, but if you have children at home, and if you were trying to get work done, and maybe your kids are in school and you had to help them with their work, I'm sure it was difficult. Uh, but we're playing, praying God's blessing on you during this time. We're also praying for your good health. I have no idea what you're feeling like, but you know, at home, Every time we have a sniffle or, or our ears or noses itch or whatever, we start getting scared. It is allergy season, so don't assume that you have the coronavirus. And we're praying God's blessing on you during this time uh, that you will feel uh, well every single day. But I do want to say that I think this is especially hard for us as Americans because our personal rights are being restricted. And for us in this country, there's nothing more important than our personal freedom. It's actually what we all care about as Americans. But the question now is really, do you love your community enough to restrict yourself willingly so as not to infect others? It's a basic biblical concept, one that Paul speaks about at length in the New Testament. And are we willing to set aside our personal rights for the sake of the larger community? It is a Christian concept. What we're doing right now is thoroughly Christian. <laughs> Not having anybody at church. All of us that are here sitting on different pews. You should see it. I wish you could see it at home. No one's sitting on the same pew here. <laughs> There's only 10 of us in the place. <laughs> what we're doing is Christian. But that, that's, a, that's another sermon for another day. But I, I bring that up for this reason. Here's the reason. In part because I believe that based on the information that we're getting, 
and based on some other things that we're putting together, some evidence that's out there, I think we're headed for an even stricter lockdown in the upcoming week. So strict, in fact, that this is probably our last Sabbath, more than likely, being able to stream live from inside the sanctuary. So things are going to look different. Now, California has already gone to the lockdown. I believe New York State has gone to it as well. Uh, I think I'm hearing that Connecticut and Pennsylvania are right around the corner if they haven't already done it. And so I'm thinking Maryland more than likely will see something just like that. But don't worry. We are planning. We're in talks. We're doing all kinds of things to come up with ways to be able to still have live broadcasts, maybe from our homes, but who knows, whatever it is, continue to uh, tune in to our uh, streams. We have our YouTube, we have our Facebook, we have our um, website, and we'll continue to try to bring you uh, live broadcasts from wherever we're able to do it, even if we're restricted. Now, the only problem is going to be if something happens to the internet. That's going to be a real problem. <laughs> I know we can do it. I believe we're God's church. And as the pastors have said already, church is not about the building. We're learning that more now than we've ever learned it before. Church is about the people of God coming together in any way that they can, and sometimes that means virtually. Sometimes it may mean the way we started off in the first place in the New Testament, in our homes, in small groups. That's what church really is. And I believe that God is going to use us in these last days to really be his people. Who says amen to that today? <laughs> so, today I want to talk a little bit with an encouraging message about how we as Christians should respond in times of hardship and upheaval like we're living in right now in this message entitled, I'm Ready. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for the Word of God that has been preserved for our edification. And we thank you for our ability to be able to meet together. Even though we're not all physically here, we're able to be together anyway. I thank you for the technology that you've given to us. I thank you for your spirit that is everywhere at the same time. And I'm asking that that same spirit would be our teacher right now. Quiet the surroundings. Allow us to be able to hear the word of God and to understand it in a way that would build us up and encourage us during this difficult time. Show us how we should act as Christians in times like these. May Jesus Christ be seen. May someone give his or her life to him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture today comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 1 and reading to verse 11. I have the New International Version for you, and it should be on the screen. And those of you that are here and at home joining us, I wonder if you would read it with me uh, together. Let's begin. Now, brothers and sisters about times and dates we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. 
For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Then verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Who says amen to God's word today? (laughs) What an encouraging word from the Apostle Paul for our time. As we read his words, we feel a sense that we that he knew that we'd be dealing with this in 2020. His words are vivid and penetrating, and they cut right to the heart of the matter. And Paul has a message for the Christian as he declares in no uncertain terms, you already know the outcome, so you don't have to live like those who live in darkness. And I, for one, am excited about that message today because of what we face when we consider leaving our houses just to go to the grocery store. There's an uncertainty and a fear and devastation all around us. So what about the context in which Paul writes this letter? Let's hear more about that. Well, it turns out that Paul is very concerned about the people of the church in Thessalonica. You may remember that Paul is what we call an itinerant preacher. That means he traveled from place to place. He would go to an area and preach and start a church, and then he would head to another place and do the same thing. And after leaving one place, he would remain in contact with the new converts, usually through letters. And the same is true here for the people in Thessalonica. A persecution began while Paul was present, and it continued through his absence so that Paul was a bit anxious about his Thessalonian converts. One scholar says this, Paul knew that because of the shortness of his stay with them, they were only partially instructed in the ways of Christianity. So he feared that they may fall from the faith. Twice he tried to visit them, but circumstances prevented him. So Paul sends his fellow laborer, Timothy, to ascertain their condition. This letter in 1 Thessalonians is what follows once Paul gets the report from Timothy. And Paul begins in chapter 1 by commending them for their faith by saying, Your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. In chapter 2, he reminds them uh, that his ministry was hard and how hard he worked and labored for them. Uh, for you remember, he says, our labor and toil we work day and night while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. In chapter 3, he explains his longing to see them again in person. He talks about Timothy's encouraging report. He admonishes them to live their lives as pleasing to God and introduces the idea of sanctification. In chapter 4, he gives them a Bible study on the state of the dead and tells them that they should not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. 
Paul writes beautiful words in his first letter to the church of Thessalonica. But I am intrigued by the way he begins chapter 5. Notice that Paul says, Now, brothers, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. That's very interesting, because to this point, Paul has been very instructive, he's been encouraging, he's been informative and edifying, but now, Paul says about this subject, I don't even need to write anything, because it's so obvious. Wow, it sounds like Paul is living with us right now in 2020, doesn't it? It's almost as if he can see that we are quarantined in our homes, trying to avoid being infected by COVID-19. And he's saying, everybody can see that we're living in the last days and that Jesus is soon to come. So I don't need to waste my time convincing you about the coming of the Lord. Paul's words are clear. Jesus is coming soon. He's talking plainly to his readers about knowing the times and being ready for the return of the Lord. And the signs were clear in Paul's day, and the signs are clear in ours as well. We've heard it said since we were kids, Ellen White says, great chances are soon to take place, excuse me, changes are soon to take place in our world. And then this part right here that we all know, and the final movements will be what? Rapid ones. We've heard that since we were kids. And who would dispute the swiftness with which things have changed over the last 14 days right here in Maryland? Do you realize that two weeks ago, all of us were right here in this sanctuary listening to a sermon from our conference president? Do you realize that? Today was scheduled to be communion Sabbath. And less than two weeks ago, our pastoral staff was discussing how we can conduct communion more safely. We talked about not doing the foot washing. We talked about using those uh, portable, whatever those things are, the, the, the whole thing is uh, uh, covered uh, uh, wine and, and bread all in one. And we, we talked about how we might not want to do that because it might be hard to open. You, you remember all that? How dumb it feels now to even be thinking about that. None of us are even able to come to church. That quickly, less than two weeks ago, we were trying to figure out how to safely have communion. Now we're all at home. Things happened that quickly. If you told me when we were having that meeting that we wouldn't be able to be in church at all, I would not have believed you. Now, think about all the other options that are on the table as a result of our desire to avoid being infected by the virus. One of my friends from seminary tweeted this yesterday. Suddenly, all the end-time scenarios I've heard all my life don't seem all that far-fetched or implausible. It's crazy how quickly everything changes. Even as recent as a week ago, many of them seemed outlandish and unimaginable. That's my buddy Sean Brace. The final movements will be rapid ones. Paul says to his Thessalonian friends, there's no need to write to you about the times or the seasons because it's so obvious, even to unbelievers, that something is going on. Then how much more do the people of God know that Jesus is almost here? Jesus is soon to come. But the question is, how should we live our lives in times like these? What should our reaction be as Christians? When we see these things unfolding before our eyes, how should we respond? Well, it turns out Paul has something to say on the subject. 
he gives us some instruction. He really gives it to the Thessalonian people, but he's also giving it to us right now in 2020. These are the things we need to remember if we want to be able to say in the end, I'm ready. Here's the first one. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. We've got the NIV. Here's what the Bible says. But you, brothers, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. Here's the first thing we learn. We must remember that we are children of light. Repeat after me. In fact, repeat after me at home too. Children of light, don't walk in darkness. Say it again. Children of light, don't walk in darkness. If you believe that, say amen today. This is important even though it sounds very obvious. What in the world am I really trying to say? Here's the thing. If we are children of light, we are supposed to act like it. Far too many of us have the name Christian, but we don't live with the power of Christ. In other words, we take the name of children in light, of light, but we don't walk in the light. And if we are children of light, we should behave a certain way when we see these things unfolding. That's what Paul is saying. Now, the purpose of light is to illuminate things. We need light in order to make our path certain as we walk this end time road. It's a light that allows us to be able to see what's coming up ahead. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, and a what, everybody? A light for my path. You see, in this passage, the psalmist says that the word of God is both a lamp for your feet and a light for your path. In other words, it will light your steps so that you can be sure-footed, and it illuminates the path far down, sort of like a flashlight would, so that you can see the dangers that come up ahead. God's Word does all of that for His children. Have you ever been on a night hike somewhere and you had a flashlight and all of a sudden the batteries die on your flashlight? <laughs> you get scared, don't you, because it's pitch black out there. What do you do? You stop and you wait and after a little bit of time, God has made us so fearfully and wonderfully that something happens, your eyes begin to adjust and you're able to see at least enough around you to be able to make your way back safely to your destination. It's funny how the eyes work and they're able to adjust when you turn off that light. Well, it turns out that we are the same way as children of light. It turns out we don't need any worldly manufactured light. We don't have to have any kind of man-made light. God's light is the light that we use, the light of His Word, and it is so illuminating that it helps us to see the things that are coming and it helps to be, us to be sure-footed about the path and steps that we're taking even right now. Because our pathway is lit, we know the dangers that are up ahead and we're prepared for what's to come. We're familiar with the predictions of the last days and thus we do not live in fear. We may get nervous from time to time, but we do not live in fear. Paul says we are children of light and we don't react or respond the way that people do who walk in darkness. They panic because they're not aware of what's coming, but our God has shared important signs with us so that we don't lose our confidence in Him even when the world is crumbling all around us. Children of light are meant to walk in light always. We are children of light. We need to start acting like it. Who says amen to that today? 
Here's our second thing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 and 7. The Bible says there, So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Here's the second thing that we learn from Paul. We must be alert and self-controlled. Repeat after me. Sleepwalking is not an option. I don't think you said it at home. Say it again. Sleepwalking is not an option. Now you're wondering, how did the pastor know that I wasn't paying attention? I don't know. I just knew that way. <laughs> Notice after Paul says we should not be asleep like others, he does not merely say that we need to be awake. See, awake is obviously the opposite of being asleep, but Paul doesn't use those words. He goes a bit further and gets more specific and says, be alert and self-controlled. The New King James says, let us watch and be sober. Simply being awake is not quite enough in Paul's estimation. He wants us to be alert, watchful, sober, sober and in control of ourselves. And he doesn't just want the appearance of activity either. We can fake this basically by sleepwalking. Sleep here implies indifference to the nearness of Christ's coming, a lethargy that keeps the Christian from being prepared for final events. Children of light don't have this problem either. They are alert and self-controlled. As a kid, I always had trouble with doing things in my sleep. I, I can still remember... I was maybe about 11 or 12 years old. We were living in South Pasadena, California. And uh, I woke up in the middle of the night, maybe about 3 o'clock in the morning, and I was sitting crisscross applesauce on the dining room table. I have no idea how I got there. What I'm assuming happened is I slept, walked while I was dreaming, and went and got up and sat on the table. <laughs> People in the audience today are looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> A little bit later, when I was in my 30s, more recently, <laughs> I did something that I wasn't aware of either. Again, I was sleep doing something. And I woke up, there was a pillow beside my bed, and on the pillow was the light bulb from the light that's next to my bed on the nightstand. Apparently, I had gotten up and unscrewed it, gotten my pillow, put it down on the ground, and put the pillow right on top. Don't worry, your pastor is not crazy. Here's the reason why I'm sharing this story with you. If you were to see me doing those things, your assumption would be I must be awake and alert because I'm doing things that take motor skills, that take brain power. And so the assumption is he must be awake. But if you look more closely, you would notice I was actually sleepwalking. Here's the reality about some of us. Many of us have the appearance of being children of light. We look like we're doing things. We have mobility in our limbs and we have words in our mouths. But it turns out we're just sleepwalking. And the way you know is because you're not living like Jesus Christ is soon to return. We've got to be sober. We've got to be awake. We have to be alert. Jesus Christ is coming again. It's obvious to non-believers how much more so than those that believe in Jesus Christ. So it is with many of us. 
But just because you're moving doesn't mean you're awake. Got to be alert. Jesus is coming again. If we're not going to be able, we're not going to be able to say I'm ready in the end if we're just sleepwalking. We should be alert and sober. Children of light are alert and self-controlled. Last one. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, and 9. The Bible says, But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled. He uses that one more time. Self-controlled. How do we do it? Putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's our last point. We must arm ourselves with faith, love, and the hope of salvation. Got to arm ourselves. Repeat after me. Armor is used in times of war. If you didn't realize that, <laughs> say it again. Armor is used in times of war. You believe that? Say amen. I want you to notice finally that Paul characterizes these armaments of the last days, faith, love, and hope of salvation in a particular way. Paul describes these as enablers of our state of self-control. You see, let us be self-controlled. How? By putting on faith, love, and a breast, as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. In other words, the reason you're not losing your cool in the last days is because you have these pieces of armor to protect you. Faith in Jesus, love of Jesus, and the hope of salvation that comes through Jesus. In the end, we all make it because of Jesus. <laughs> and my Bible tells me how these things all end. Jesus wins. And if we're on his side, we win too. Remember now that Paul is speaking in a last day context. And he's saying to us that these three things will be of the utmost importance in our final days on this earth. Now, it turns out that we've heard Paul make reference to this armor before in Ephesians chapter 6. He talks about the breastplate and the helmet, and you've heard it in that. I, I think you remember that, right? You remember that, Ephesians chapter 6? In Ephesians 6.14, he identifies the breastplate of righteousness. And now in 1 Thessalonians 5, it's the breastplate of faith and love. And we can surmise that these two things are related. One commentator says this, The two qualities, faith and love, are integral parts of righteousness. Faith is the active laying hold of that righteousness that Christ imparts to the believer. Love, that great attribute of God's character, is shed abroad in our hearts by God's Holy Spirit. So the righteousness that we exhibit in the last days is directly linked to the faith we have in Jesus and his love that shines out of us. We also see the helmet in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17 is the helmet of salvation. And in our passage, in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says the helmet is for the hope of salvation. The same commentator has this to say, in doing so, he teaches that salvation in its ultimate stage lies still in the future. This is the phenomenon that I've talked about before that scholars refer to as the already and the not yet. The moment we accept Jesus and his salvation, we are secure right then and saved on that day, so much so it's as if we never sinned. 
Because we're in the, covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. So we already are saved right now. And yet, we are still awaiting the ultimate salvation that comes when we will physically leave this planet and spend eternity with Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul is saying a mouthful here. The already and the not yet. We as children of light can be self-controlled in the last days, even with all the chaos and uncertainty of spiritual war around us, because we have the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of hope and salvation. We must arm ourselves with these, ourselves with these, because we are at war. Jesus has already won, so we can be self-controlled. You believe God's word today? If you believe it, why don't you raise your hand right now? You at home too. If you want to do God's will in these last days, raise your other hand. Now look up and say, I surrender. Praise the Lord. So let me close with this. When we were kids, my father would travel from time to time. And he would go out of town. And sometimes he'd be away for several days. And whenever that happened, we had a routine on the day that we knew that he was coming back. Most of the time, when dad would come back from out of town after being away for a while, he would come back late at night. So late, in fact, that it was after our bedtime. And so mom would give us specific instructions on those evenings. She would say, go to bed, go to sleep, so that you can wake up refreshed in the morning. And then you'll see your dad because we'll be back. Well, the problem is, and mom may have known it already, there was no way we were going to sleep that night. We were going to stay up until dad got home. So mom would tuck us in, we would close our eyes, we'd act like we were sleeping for a few minutes, and then we'd get out of the bed, and we would go into the threshold of the door. The same house in South Pasadena, California. It was a shotgun house. Our room was all the way in the back of the house. We would lay down right there in the door of the threshold, threshold of the door, and we would listen out for when dad was going to come home. We'd stay awake. Sometimes we'd nod a little bit, but for the most part, we'd stay awake. And then came that moment when you would hear the keys jingle. And you could hear the key going into the lock and the lock turning and then the door opening. And by the time the door was open, we were already down the hallway running saying, Daddy's home, and jumping in his arms, giving him a hug because we missed him so much and because we wanted the gift that he brought back from wherever he was. <laughs> it was mostly about him, though. We'd stay up all night, awake, alert, because we wanted to see our father. We'd been away from him for a few days. We missed him, and we couldn't wait to be reunited. Beloved, that's the exact scene that we're supposed to see in our own lives right now. We are living in a time right now where Jesus actually has his keys out. They're in his hand. And the keys are to death and the grave and to his kingdom. They're jingling in his hand. He's so close. He's already put the key in the lock of the door. We can hear him turning it. That's how close his coming is. Now is not the time to be asleep. Now is not the time to be alert. It's time for us to be awake so that we can run and jump into his arms. And guess what? He does have something for us. <laughs> he said, I've got a mansion that I've already prepared for you right now waiting on you. I'm going to come back and get you and take you back with myself. 
so that we can spend eternity together. That's where we are in our earth's history. If the world can see it who is ungodly, how much more than we should be able to see it right now in these last days? There's no reason for us to be asleep. But here's the thing that I love about the passage. Verse 11 says that we're supposed to encourage one another during this time. How can we do that when the world is crumbling around us? How can we do that when literally all hell is breaking loose? You know how? Because we are self-controlled. Because we have on this helmet of the hope of salvation. We have on this breastplate of love and faith. And Jesus is all in us right now. And I'm hoping he's more in you now since you can't meet in church than he was normally. That you are allowing Jesus to live in you in such a way that you can be self-controlled in these last days. So that we can encourage each other during this time. So, it's time for us to step our game up. We've got to really do it. We already know how it's going to end. We know the prophecies. We've heard them. Clearly, things are coming to a close right now. We know that Jesus wins, and we want to be on his side. We're already on his side, in fact. But some of you may not be. Maybe some who are watching right now who still have not made their decision for Jesus Christ. And each one of our platforms has the ability for you to respond. If you're watching on YouTube, you can just type in the comments right now, I want to accept Jesus. In fact, you don't have to use that if you don't want to. You can just use the hand emoji. And we'll know that you're responding to this call right now. If you're watching on our website, you can easily go to our uh, uh, the worship that has a thing where you can actually respond. I think there's actually something you can click to respond to the appeal. Now is your time to do that. If you're watching us on Facebook Live, you can do that in the comments as well. Whatever you want to do. In fact, just go to thetpchurch.org slash appeal. And if you fill that card out, you'll be responding to this call right now. And here it is. The call is, I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to put my hand in his hand. Maybe you're doing it for the first time. Maybe you're coming back to him. Maybe you recognize during this message today that you've been sleepwalking. And you know now that you want to be alert and awake. I'm not sure what your situation is, but there's something for you right on that card thetpchurch.org slash appeal. Go there and fill that out. We'll get it. And you can fill it out to say, I want special prayer. I need Bible study. I want to join the church. Whatever it is you want to do, just fill it out now. I believe God's Spirit is working. He's working with you there, and He's working here in this sanctuary today. Father, thank you. Thank you for the call that you have given to us today. The call that is only possible because of Jesus Christ. Father, Jesus laid down his life, his perfect life, as a substitute for our messed up life so that we would not have to live in fear in times like these. Jesus Christ has already done what needs to be done so that we can be saved into your kingdom in the end. And we know you're coming as soon. And Father, you have sent your Holy Spirit today to impress some man, some woman, some boy or girl to respond to that appeal. And I want to thank you for that. I'm asking now that you would bless that person. Give them an extra portion of your spirit. Send your holy angels to make their steps strong from this day forward. May they never go back to their old way, but only walk after you 
from this day forward. And then when you come, help them along with the rest of us to be able to say, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. Bring that day soon. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let everyone who loves God say together, Amen and Amen. God bless you.